I do love not typing. mess with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? It's being, becoming a human burrito, a plus or a minus. I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom. Because <laughs> she looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. It's so fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And we are live and wired on the DC TV podcast YouTube channel, the Supergirl Radio Facebook page, to discuss and review the second movie in the Brandon Routh Cinematic Cat Universe titled <laughs> The Nine Kittens of Christmas. Now, I, I pitched that we go ahead and just do this back to back because I personally, I don't know about you, Morgan, we'll get into it, but I had personally had a lot of feelings about this sequel. I had to know what was going to happen next. When I heard there was a sequel, I was like, sign me up. I don't think we could have made I don't think I should only speak no. for myself. I could not have made it another year until the next Christmas review. I couldn't do it. I, 365 days before I know what happened to Mary Lee. No. So we're just going to go ahead and knock it out. And we're going to talk about the sequel, The Nine Kittens of Christmas. So we're just prolonging the Christmas. Christmas season. Uh, I, I, I find that to be a very happy thing. I try to have a Christmas tree as long as I can stand it. So this just seems uh, right up my alley. So we're going to be talking about the nine kittens of Christmas. But before we do that, we need to get to the news. Let's get to the news. <laughs> I had to, I had to find it. Uh, according to Deadline.com, DC Studios is planning to test actresses st- soon to star in Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. And that Millie, uh, Millie Alcock, uh, Amelia Jones, and Meg Donnelly are in the mix. Uh, there is a chance the studio could make a straight offer to a star, but all things are pointing towards screen tests for actresses, which will go down within the next month or so from what Deadline has heard. Deadline understands that DC Studios co-boss James Gunn is definitely part of the process, as this is a character who will likely make a debut via a cameo in a DC project that isn't Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. Um, the- that can only be one movie, though, because what there's only movie? one movie before. Be? Hmm, I don't know what it could be. <laughs> could it be a Superman, perhaps? Could It, it could be, possibly be. Could it be the other movie that's also just Superman that's coming out <laughs> So she's going to bring in Superman. Um, <laughs> the search is ongoing for a Supergirl, Woman of tomorrow director yeah we don't have Um, one of those yet don't have a director yet but we have a writer and we're working on actress so you know (laughs) check and check uh uh, alcock is best known for her lead role on hbo's game of thrones spinoff house of the dragon playing princess oh god uh, um, somebody Targaryen. That's somebody her. Targaryen. Ray, 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 I, I don't watch Ray Game of Thrones, so I don't Ray know. Raya. Uh, I am she really. She's a princess. I think you can tell that I haven't quite gotten to that Game of Thrones property yet because I have no idea. <laughs> I'm, gonna say, I'm gonna go ahead and say Raya. That feels right to me. It's not, but it feels right. Wait, let's let's try it. 
Right in 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 raw. Right and raw. <laughs> I don't know. That's so wrong. I know Targaryen though. I've heard of that. Yes. She plays Enya on the House of the Dragon. <laughs> um Jones counts feature credits such as Paolo Sorrentino's Youth and Apple's uh, Apple's Oscar Best Picture winner Coda, as well as the Netflix series Lock and Key. Uh, Donnelly has starred in Disney Channel's Zombies franchise, uh, which I uh, don't know anything about. There's like three of these movies. Okay, so, so many zombie okay, movies. All right, just while we're here. Okay. Yes. I'll try to explain this the, is important. the zombie yes. thing for you. The zombie because, cinematic universe. Because I tried to dip my toe. I haven't gotten into the Game of Thrones stuff yet. I didn't have time yeah. to get into that. But I tried to dip my toe into like different aspects. Have you of watched a zombies actors. yet? So I started the first one. So how, the premise, how was it? So the <laughs> it's a Disney <laughs> Channel movie. I'll just say that. So it's good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's solid. <laughs> so the premise is there's mm-hmm. this town where they had like this nuclear explosion that caused a bunch of people to become zombies. Okay. I don't understand it, but so it's just like go a zo- with it. So it's like a zombie town. Yes, know. sort of. Like half of them are like regular humans. Okay. Ma- McDonald's part of the regular hum- human part. That seems like a problem for the regular humans. <laughs> it is. So they, in the story, they have, you know, the separation of the regular humans and the zombies. And then at some point they're like, no, we must integrate them into the same school. Oh, so the zombies are going. Well, these to are school. like these are like full like these are functional zombies. Like these are zombies with hopes and dreams. Yes, <laughs> yes. So the 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 th- the the zombie, the main zombie, the the kid who wants to try out for the football team. Oh, sure. He, he explains. <laughs> he explains that they've given them special bracelets that okay. prevent them from wanting to eat brains. Wow. So they're totally cool. They just have green they're, hair, but they're totally cool. So they're, so they're cool. And one could argue, why are they zombies at all? It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so it's more of like an eye zombie zombie than like a Night of the Living Dead zombie. Yeah. So I didn't okay. get I didn't get real far. So it might have gotten out of control. I assume oh. one of the bracelets at some point goes off. Somebody's eating a brain. That, <laughs> I mean, I, I can guarantee you that. But <laughs> Donnelly, a- watch out. <laughs> so it's a musical. Meg Donnelly plays okay. like a, a, a student who wants to become a cheerleader on the cheer squad. And she sort of has a meet cute with that that guy who wants to be a football player, the zombie. Uh-huh. So it's like it's like it's Romeo a, and Juliet kind a, of. Thing. It's a love story. She's a human and he's a zombie. <laughs> could could, could, I, could that make it any more obvious? <laughs> <laughs> so that's the premise of the zombie universe. Like I said, I only got about thirty minutes into the first one, so I really don't know what happens. <laughs> well, that is more than I knew about it, and I'm. I'm psyched to find I out. I will say Meg Donnelly was great in it. For uh, for what uh, she was asked to do, she was good in it. She was crushing it. <laughs> she danced, she sang, um, she had to pretend to love a zombie. All good stuff. So amazing. That, that's just catch you up on the zombie <laughs> franchise. And we are making fun, but a lot of people have gone from a Disney Channel background into stardom uh and just do a lot of cool stuff so you know also they made like three of those zombie movies so there must be an audience incredible (laughs) i love that for them i love that for us it's a big hit it's a big the zombie universe the zombie hive rise up (laughs) am i right is that how people use that (laughs) oh oh, we have an update in the chat cv cube says at one point in the movie the bracelet gets hacked by the evil humans to make them go off and become zombies no Exciting. 
That's terrible. It's, it was so traumatic that like my my camera just gave up on did, life. Did Bunsen have anything to do with it? I think so. I'm going to try to reset the camera to see if, any, if anything happens. I'm an angelic ball of light now. I've, I've ascended. I was so happy about that plot detail. That spoiler. <laughs> Okay, I, I guess we should get back to the news. Sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Since we've gone off the TV, I, I have been I've been pitching zombie cast to Rebecca. But she says, <laughs> no, that's not what this podcast is. We about. could do like a minute by minute podcast <laughs> of the zombie movie. <laughs> we could really get like deep into it when the when the humans hack the zombie bracelets. We could oh really gosh. like get in there. <laughs> I would actually listen to that. Part. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> It's going to get real deep. <laughs> the zombies are a metaphor. For, um, okay. <laughs> get, but getting back to it. Uh, obviously, Donnelly has starred in Disney Channel Zombies, which we all know and love now, uh, and is already the voice of Supergirl in the DC animated movie uh, Legion of Superheroes and Justice League Crisis on Infinite Earth, uh, Earths Part 1, and presumably Part 2. Uh, there, there is, uh, from what I understand, three parts. Oh, so maybe all three parts. We don't maybe. I don't know. I assume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bud, what do you think about that? But is looking directly into the camera now. He, so he, deep into the soul of, of our viewers he, and he listeners. Looks so majestic. <laughs> and doesn't he? Isn't he a beautiful boy? <laughs> Bunsen, do you have any thoughts about the uh, the casting of Supergirl? Do you have a oh you have a front gosh. runner? Bunsen does love zombies. So oh yeah, that's right. Oh, he's gotta go. He's got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, he's got things to do. He's like, oh no, no, this is too much of the spotlight for me. <laughs> I like to just ruin your live streams whenever possible. <laughs> Don't ask me my opinion. Okay. He's okay. a he's a very private cat. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um yes, Crisis on Infinite Earths part 1. Superman Legacy meanwhile is prepping to shoot this spring in Georgia and has been set for a worldwide release on July 11th, 2025. So about a year and a half from All right. now. Not too not that long, not too long. So, Morgan, what are we uh, thinking about the uh, possible Supergirl actresses that we may be getting? Well, I'm excited that they're casting Supergirl. That makes it more real for me. I have to be I have to admit when they said like they're doing a Supergirl movie, I was like, yes. And then when they said it was Woman of Tomorrow, I was like, yes. But a small slash large part of me was like, will it happen? Yes. And so I didn't want to get my hopes up. I didn't want to get my dreams crushed, right? But like now it seems very like it's going to happen. And they now I'm doing starting something. to get excited. Like yes. they're, they're casting people. They're getting script writers. <laughs> starting to feel like a movie watch them still watch it still not happen and at this point like i'm so excited it's gonna be like the flash movie where it was like we're gonna Will release it? this in 2018 and then it <laughs> didn't happen until what was last year 2023, 2023. it took a long time <laughs> it's gonna be great though you just wait it's gonna be the movie that changed cinema <laughs> did it it's gonna uh, be tom cruise's all-time favorite movie <laughs> this movie changed the way i feel about film tom cruise <laughs> um yeah the the funny thing is usually with these i'll have like some i watch a lot of tv i watch a lot of movies so usually yeah. i have some background of like the different actresses and i know the one the girl from game of thrones 
uh, or the the House of the Dragon. I have seen whoever she is. Yes, Princess uh, Enya (laughs) (laughs) or Rhea. I have seen her like in stuff, and I've seen like clips. Uh, but I haven't actually caught up with House of the Dragon because I was a little burnt out after the end of Game of Thrones and I needed some time to distance myself away <laughs> from the franchise. Uh, so, but I've heard she's good. And then obviously, like Meg Donnelly from the animated stuff, from the voice work, and the other girl who, Amelia something Jones. Jones yes. Uh, I heard that Coda's great. I haven't actually watched it yet, but like she was in, uh, it's, did it win the Oscar? I think it won something. Yeah. I don't really watch award seasons anymore. But no, I'm too. I, I will just say that after this news came out, I did not know who Amelia Jones was, and so I watched Coda. And let me tell you, I cried like a baby. That's what I've heard from that everybody who's watched. Every time I'm like, oh, I I haven't seen it yet. They're like, no, it's gr- it's great. You have to watch it. Apparently, it's very emotional. And very. Um, uh, the premise is that she is the only person in her family. She has a mom, a dad, and a brother. They're all deaf, but she is the one who is not deaf. And so she has to do a lot of the heavy lifting in their business because they're fishermen. And so in order for them to have a boat to meet the, you know, the regulations of the fishing industry, they have to have somebody out there who can let them know if somebody contacts them by the radio or there's a an emergency something or other. So they and they have to have somebody that can talk to the, you know, the speaking people. Um, So she is very important. And so then she has this dilemma because she wants to sing. She wants to be a singer. And she wants to go to college, but can she go to college, but also help her family with their business? And it, there's, there's like a real dramatic dilemma. And uh, it's very sweet. It's very good. Um, I like. I just, I could not pull it together. I cried all <laughs> throughout that thing. Um, and I will say that Amelia Jones was great. She was very good in it. Um, she could handle a lot of ranges, a lot of different uh, emotions. And it wasn't just so much that she, you know, uh, I think a lot of people have talked about how she took nine months to learn how to do the signing and everything. That's great. But I think what made that effective was that she did the signing and she was really emotive in her face and in her tone when she would speak while she signed. Um, so I thought that was excellent. Um, so I will say that even though she has brown hair in that movie, I could totally still see her as Cara. I think, uh, you know, we did have a brunette actress in Melissa yeah, Benoist. That's true. She dyed her hair uh, a dirty blonde. So I think that's still possible. So I think Amelia Jones, if she were to be cast, I think she would be a great actress and I think she could handle it. Uh, Meg Donnelly, obviously, has been great as Supergirl in the animated uh, universe. And I think I do remember that uh, back when James Gunn announced his plan for the DCU, he mentioned that he wanted to be able to hire people who could do both live action and animated stuff. So <clears throat> Meg Donnelly could potentially have uh, like an upper hand or a, um, uh, she could al- already be halfway there, but <laughs> I-, I did uh, talk on um uh, Dave, the film junkies live stream on Friday. And we discussed it uh, to the point where we were, I kind of realized like there's no need for Meg Donnelly to voice Supergirl after the crisis movies. So <laughs> I don't know if she Uh-oh. would still, if they would still <laughs> need Supergirl in animation mm. after that, but she has done animated work. So she, uh, she does have that in her, 
in her arsenal there. So she does fit the voice acting part of that. And she is a good actress. I thought she was great in those zombie movies. She was also <laughs> in uh, the Winchester uh, TV show. Oh, yeah. Uh, from the CW. So I watched a little bit of that. She was pretty good in that. Um, and then um, uh, is it Millie? Millie Alcock? Uh, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, have not seen Game of the Thrones, Game of Thrones, or Game of Thrones: House of Dragon, but uh, I do hear good things about her performance. A lot of people, uh, when they talk about Game of Thrones, they do talk about her uh, character. So I think whoever we get will probably be a pretty good actress. So that's all I really care about is just somebody who uh, can do it really well. Uh, I am curious though what the screen tests will involve because uh, some screen tests. Uh, like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man screen test involved him fighting, uh, doing a scene where he fought some criminals. Uh, so I wonder if they will actually have Supergirl, uh, like in their screen test, will they have Supergirl doing fight choreography or something like that? Because I think Meg Donnelly, given her dance background, she could probably handle choreography pretty well. So I'd be curious like how they they go about choosing uh, Supergirl there. Will the screen test involve her with Superman? Uh, that could also be uh, something they look for as well. I anticipate she will be a, a cameo in Superman Legacy uh, to tease up the Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow movie. My speculation is that uh, they will somehow have her say goodbye to Superman. She flies. She has a birthday party. She goes off world, gets drunk. <laughs> and that's how she meets Ruthie. So um, that's my speculation. I have no idea if that is true, <clears throat> but I think if, uh, if they're casting actresses now, she's probably going to be in Superman legacy in some way. Um, I am curious, Morgan, what did you think about the fact that, uh, the Supergirl woman of tomorrow director, whoever that may be, uh, is not getting to cast Supergirl. Yeah. What are your that, thoughts on that? I feel like and I don't know, I'm not in the biz, uh, but I do, I do feel like it's usually like, there's usually a director before they go into casting. I guess with some of these like cinematic properties, they can kind of bypass that sometimes because they have, you know, like the, the, the James Gunn situation or, you know, the Marvel situation where they have just kind of a, a bunch of stable of people. But usually I feel like the director is involved in the casting. So it is a little weird that the director hasn't been picked yet and they're casting the lead already, but who knows? Yeah. It's not unheard of uh, like for the DCEU, for example, when Zack Snyder was uh, casting Batman V Superman, Don justice, he had wonder woman in the cast. So he went ahead and cast wonder woman and Patty Jenkins came behind that and directed the wonder woman movie. Same thing with Jason Momoa's Aquaman. Um, uh, the Flash, Ezra Miller's The Flash, Flash, and Ray Fisher as Cyborg. He got to cast all of the Justice League because they had played a part in Batman v Superman. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So that could be a similar case where James Gunn is writing Superman Legacy and wants to have Supergirl involved in it, and so that's why he's getting to cast her. Uh, but yeah, it does kind of stink that uh, not only is the director not getting to cast Supergirl they're not casting Supergirl and Ruthie at the same time, which I think is unfortunate. Yeah. In an ideal world, I would think that you would want to cast Supergirl and Ruthie together so that you could have, make sure that they had good screen chemistry and they got along. I I would think that that's pretty important since they basically carry that story together. 
Um, but it is what it is. So uh, I guess maybe maybe by the end of January, sometime in February, maybe we'll hear an official uh, casting decision. So uh, I hope, uh, you know, all the actresses uh, get a good experience out of it, no matter who gets cast. And uh, we'll, we'll, ha we'll have to talk about it more when we hear something. It is exciting. I, I saw a comment from Aaron to correct me. I, I said, I thought it won. Uh, Aaron says, among other things, Coda did win best picture uh, of the, in the Oscars for 2021. So that's pretty exciting. I, it deserves it. I mean, I, I haven't <laughs> cried at a movie like that in a long time. <laughs> so pull it together, Rebecca. It's not that, it's not that big. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, we'll have to see where we go from here. Um, but uh, I think it's interesting. Also, uh, we mentioned Superman Legacy is going to be shooting in Georgia. I imagine a lot of these DCU movies might be doing the same. They have a big uh, movie studio there now. And the uh, Marvel Cinematic U Universe used that the, uh, the those studios uh, quite a bit. I know a lot of the Guardians movies were shot there. I feel like Aven Avengers Endgame was also shot in Georgia um, so it's kind of no surprise that James Gunn is also using that facility um, to start his cinematic universe over at DC. So uh, that's good to know. Uh, I have a feeling a lot of downtown Atlanta buildings will be used. Oh, yeah. You're going to be able to <laughs> spot them when we when we see the movie. You're like, oh, I know that. I'm pretty sure I know which building they're going to pick for the Daily Planet, but uh, we'll just see. Because <laughs> <Which, which, laughs> I, I money on it. Because <laughs> uh, real quick story. So when I worked at Turner, uh, my first year, I had like the graveyard overnight shift. I would go in at 11 p.m. and I would get off at 7 a.m. And so when I would drive in downtown, it was dark. It was usually foggy and smoky. And there was this one building. I cannot remember the name of it, but I always looked up at it and I was like, you know, that kind of looks like... That would be a good building for the Daily Planet. So I've always, <laughs> so I've always, I've always thought that. So uh, we'll see if they have any uh, downtown Atlanta locations for it. Um, and I imagine that maybe Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow will also shoot there. We'll see. Uh, so that's exciting. In more Superman legacy news, because this is news that we have not covered yet. We probably should because these two characters we're pretty familiar with here on Supergirl Radio. Uh, according to The Hollywood Reporter, Skylar Gassando, known for his work on HBO's The Righteous Gemstones, has been cast as Jimmy Olsen, the boyish cub uh, photographer at the Daily Planet who works alongside Clark Kent and Lois Lane. At the same time, Sarah Sampaio, the Portuguese model known for her Victoria's Secret work, has been cast as Eve Tesmacher, the assistant. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it's taking my voice out. The assistant and sometimes mistress to the scheming villain Lex Luthor, played by Nicholas Holt. So now we have not only Superman and Lois Lane, we also, and Lex Luthor, we have uh, Jimmy Olsen and Miss Tesmacher. So uh, they are really building out those. Uh, side characters and uh, the the Daily Planet uh, staff, at least for sure. So that's pretty exciting. We're getting a lot of new characters in the DCU. So we'll see if we get any more. Ooh, that is exciting. It's so funny. Um, the uh, Skylar uh, the actor, they say he's on the Righteous Gemstones. I, I don't remember him, oh. but... I also have haven't seen past season one, so well, that maybe, went probably to maybe it. Maybe yeah. he's in one of a, the later seasons. So now, when I catch up, I can like keep an eye out. He certainly, I mean, he looks the part. He he does. I mean, if you were to show me his picture and be like, "Who's he playing at the Daily Planet?" I'd be like, "I think that guy is probably Jimmy Olsen." I think that guy's Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
he's got a real a real Jimmy Olsen. He's really got Olsen vibes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, Morgan, do you want to uh, tell us about Melissa Benoist's uh, most recent project that she's got coming out soon? I would love to. I thought that the news was over. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We got one more. One more. Netflix recently dropped the new trailer for Masters of the Universe Revolution, which features the voices of Chris Wood as He-Man and Melissa Benoist as Tila. It premieres on January 25th. So uh, if people are not aware, the first uh, rendition of the Kevin Smith uh, He-Man Universe had... Uh, Sarah Michelle Geller as Tila and Melissa Benoist is coming in to replace her. Um, so this will be the first one that Melissa Benoist is in, but Chris Wood has been He-Man in both. So if you want to check that out, Netflix on January 25th. I don't know. Maybe we'll do a pilot pod. Maybe we'll do a Supergirl Radio uh, episode. Don't know, but I, I feel like that almost requires us to do some <laughs> back work into the He-Man universe. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a while. I know He-Man. I know Skeletor. I know She-Ra. I know Battle Cat. That's Battle Cat. that's as bad as far as I, that's about as far as I go. I think I started watching the the Masters of the Universe when it came out a couple years ago, like the animated one, and then I fell off like a, an episode or two in because I realized I I guess I didn't watch the original when I was a kid, and I feel like to a certain extent, like some nostalgia might be needed to be like really into it. I don't know. I'm I'll I'll, I'll make an attempt again. It's for Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> I should mention that I used to love when I was a kid. There was a Masters of the Universe movie, and it had. Courtney Cox in it and I remember loving that it was a live action He-Man movie with this little weird troll dwarf I don't know what he was but he was this cute little man who had this contraption this machine uh, that he used I cannot remember the plot of that movie but I remember loving that Masters of the Universe uh, movie so I I didn't really watch a lot of the TV show but I, I watched that movie a lot when it would come on TV so that's about as far as I go uh, back with He-Man so uh, I don't know for Melissa it's worth maybe checking out um, <laughs> Masters of the Universe Revolution on January 25th. Well, I guess we should get to uh, what we came here to talk about, which is the Nine Kittens of Christmas, the really important <laughs> yeah, film that we have come together to talk about. Um, the description for this uh, movie <laughs> reads, I think it actually came out in 2021. <laughs> I just I just uh, fixed it in the dock and you just fixed it in the dock at the <laughs> same moment. <laughs> I realized I realized that I had not uh, replaced 2014, which is the nine uh, nine lives of Christmas. So uh, there is a seven year, I guess, uh, uh, film gap uh, between when they shot the nine lives of Christmas and when they shot or released the nine kids of Christmas. So this this movie is from 2021. And the description from IMDb reads, quote, Zachary and Marilee are thrown back together at Christmas when they're tasked with finding homes for a litter of adorable kittens, unquote. So, uh, Morgan, I guess before we really dive deep into the nine kittens of Christmas, before you pressed play, I'm curious, what were your expectations for a sequel to <laughs> The Nine Lives of Christmas? Yeah, there were, I mean, the the first movie 
so good. So I was like, I was excited. I was amped. I was like, I can't wait to see Ambrose again. He's my orange tabby sweetheart. Can't wait to see my girl Queenie. My queen. I bet Queenie is going to be cutting it up in this movie. Nothing bad could possibly happen to Queenie. Throw it up for Queenie. And then, <laughs> and then I was also like, I wonder, I wonder where they'll be. Will they be getting married? They live together. They're dating. They're, ah, things are going so great. Things are going so great with Zachary and Marilee. <laughs> I can't wait to see what those two crazy kids are up to. So I went into this movie naive. I went into this movie <laughs> with stars in my eyes. <laughs> Within five minutes, I learned some things that were disturbing to me personally. <laughs> yeah, right out the gate, Queenie's dead. <laughs> Queenie is dead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I, 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 then they, the, the, my favorite part about Queenie being dead uh, is not only do they mention it a hundred times in a way that feels unnecessary, <laughs> is that. They so she's got a plaque on her wall that's like Queenie never forget. And it says uh, always remembered, forever loved, forever loved. And then they zoom it. They stay on that for a long time so that you can emotionally process the fact that Queenie is no longer Queenie's crossed the rainbow bridge. Queenie is on the other side. For people who did not watch our uh, <laughs> review of the Nine Lives of Christmas, Queenie is Marilee's cat. Queenie is Marilee's cat. Uh, but my favorite part is that the photo that they use for her Queenie is like a is like a production photo, yes. is like a like a publicity photo from the first movie. And apparently, this movie, like the the budget was tight on this movie, clearly <laughs> because they spent all their money on kittens and they had nothing left. <laughs> for props because it it looked like the picture wasn't big enough for the frame that they'd gotten it so they just did that enhance so it's like a little blurry and a little, a little pixelated low resolution it's yeah. low it's a low resolution production photo <laughs> promotional photo and you're just like that's exactly what it looks like it doesn't look like a, a picture of her and her beloved cat and i i thought what a way to start this movie <laughs> yeah right away they they tell us queenie is no longer why I'm not sure the only reason and humor me with this. The only reason I can think of as to why Queenie died was maybe it was a, maybe it was a metaphor for Zachary and Marilee's relationship Ooh. that had died. And so like when she moves, cause she moves to Miami, she starts this pr uh, private practice with this new guy and Queenie is a representation of the ending of her relationship with Zachary. Uh, her chat of that chapter of that of chapter her life. Of her life. Ooh. That's the yeah. only that's the only reason I can think of why because you could have just had Queenie there. Like Queenie could have just been there. Yeah, I also struggled with the death of Queenie, much like <laughs> Marilee did. Um, I asked, why did the cat have to be dead? <laughs> it's a it's a, it's a cat. Like it, it only has so much impact on the story. Uh and she has a different cat. So uh, again, spoiler alert: her new cat is her new cat is named Duchess, um, and it's she's still also royal, still royal, still beautiful, gorgeous, gorgeous. A duchess is a queen. I'm sorry, Queenie. Um, it's, it's another long-haired cat. Like it's like they they she basically just like control replaced Queenie, uh, and it was just like why not just? I mean, maybe the original cat Triss. Yes. Cat actress. Thank you. <laughs> I, I got it. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> passed on. That's and they were like, you know what? 
we can't just find another cat that looks like this cat. <laughs> it's impossible. And uh, we were. We want to honor her memory. <laughs> I was complaining about this to my husband. I was like, Mike, <laughs> they could have just gotten another cat that looks that looks like that cat. And my, and Mike was like, Yeah, there's like a million cats that look like Beaker. Someone could replace him. <laughs> and I was like, and I went, No, they could. And I would always know. And he's like, Well, you would, but like the audience wouldn't. <laughs> if we were to recast Beaker on this podcast, like, w- would anyone know? I would know, but probably yeah. not the rest of the audience. Well, if so. you had a Beaker who didn't try to jump on the China cabinet, Ex- I, we would know Ex- immediately. We'd be like, wait a minute, that cat's off. <laughs> <laughs> There's something wrong with that Beaker. That cat was switched. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the death of Queenie. Uh, uh, why? Just right away in in unnecessary in the yeah. unnecessary really really starting out on a downer note for this christmas movie <laughs> so and in addition to that we also find right away that Marilee's in a different city Marilee, and she's yeah. with some other guy who's no, this guy who is not zachary that's not that that's not brandon ralph <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think about the introduction of her new life yeah, I, it was a twist I didn't expect. I thought we were going to start up in this movie, and they were going to be they were going to be living together and maybe planning a wedding. Maybe that would be like the the you know the plot of this movie, and then like the drama would be kitten related in some capacity. And I wasn't a hundred percent wrong. There was kitten there was kitten drama. drama. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, they went they zigged when I thought they were going to zag. They were like, no, no, like they broke up. Because Zachary couldn't commit, and and uh, and Marilee wanted more, and I was like, oh, okay. But then she got too much. <laughs> She's like, why can't you be ambitious? And then she like starts dating this guy that's like, work is my whole life. And she's like, you know what? Uh, Maybe I had it good. I went too far with this one. Ooh, I went too far. I did not find that middle ground. I was looking for. <laughs> So the again, third movie in the trilogy, she's finally going to find a man who both works a little bit and can commit. <laughs> so I guess my question with him is, is again, why, why, why break them up only to then by the end of the movie, put them back together? Yeah. Like I knew they were going to get it, back together, you know, in by the end of the movie, because that's what these movies, these movies promise us something. They say, yes. hey, we'll make, we're going to make some variations on the theme, on the form. <laughs> we're going to add some cats to it, perhaps. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, the beats are pretty similar. Yeah. Not, I'm not saying this in a bad way. I like these movies. But so I knew like they were going to get back together. And I was like, why introduce like a, you know, a, a a boyfriend and a business partner that she has in Miami. Now I'm going to feel bad about her, you know, kind of flirting with Zachary. Cause I know they're going to get back together. <laughs> and I think at, at the very least, the movie did a good job of her being like immediately like this relationship's really not working out. Like he's a great business partner, but uh, he never wants to do anything else but work. And that's starting to drag me down. So I was like, okay, okay. So they're breaking up kind of not just because Brandon Routh looks like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she remembered that upon meeting him again. <laughs> yeah, they had problems even before she went back to Jamestown uh, for Christmas. I guess if I were to try to analyze it very seriously and take it very seriously, I guess the reason that you do it is because a lot of the movie is 
focused around the idea of merrily trying to reconnect with the place she's most comfortable with. She she tried to go to the big city of Miami. She tried to start a new place, you know, uh, start a new life and a new business and a new chapter of her life down there. But really, she feels like she needs to go home because that's where her sister is. That's where she has all of her memories of her family, her nieces there. Um, and so I guess the movie is trying to force her back there. But I, I still think you could still tell that story and still have Marilee have been in the little town with Zachary. I don't think you have to trash her whole life and then, yeah. have, and then have her reconnect again. Um, so I, I can see why they needed to do that to try to uh, give you the chance to watch Marilee and Zachary fall in love again. Cause that's essentially what happens. Um, but I still sort of, I, I have complicated feelings about that kind of thing because I think it's so completely unnecessary. Uh, yeah, it did feel a little unnecessary Get because once they, they kind of meet up again in the movie, they very much fall into kind of a coupley atmosphere. It's not, there's not like a lot of like hurt feelings. I could almost see this being the plot if there was like a lot of drama between them and they were still kind of mad at each other. And then they had to kind of resolve all of that. And, but kind of immediately they're, they're, they just kind of like each other again, which I mean is great for them, but it's not, you know, at, at that point, it's like, why not just have them still be dating? Why not just have them be trying to, uh, you know, plan their Christmas wedding in the middle of a, uh, oh, yeah, making nine kittens, you know, that's, that's a great idea. They could have, they could have been doing, yeah, I guess maybe their thought was it had been seven, seven years between the first movie and the second movie. And I guess it doesn't make sense for them to have a mo- have a wedding seven years later in the fair fair. I, but they could have been. But but the whole thing in the first uh, the first movie was that Zachary doesn't like to commit, and the whole right. thing in the second movie is that he doesn't like change, and that he wasn't like he didn't want to progress forward in their relationship. So as they were planning, they could have been like, "We've been you know engaged so long because Zachary," and they could have put a lot of the same beats into the story with the characters, but just not have had them break up in the in the in between yeah and that 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 stuff about change i thought was really interesting because it's touched on with the chief who is retiring so he causes a little bit of change he has change for himself he has change for the fire station zachary becomes the new chief so there's change in his life but i i thought it was really interesting that merrily never addresses her issue with change she makes a big change to go down to Miami and she starts this new change for herself with this new life down there, but it's a negative change. She does not have a positive change. Uh, I just kind of felt like a lot of the movie, she was like, Zachary needs to change. And I was like, well, what about you, Marilee? Is there anything about you that needs to change? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got kind of mad at her about that. <laughs> so uh, I did think that that was. Uh, I think we saw like both sides of of change. We saw Zachary, who was so afraid to change anything about his life because what if it what if it throws something off, including good changes. Like he had this good girlfriend who was like, "Let's get more serious," and he was like, "No." And then he has a <laughs> boss who's like retiring. He's like, "Okay, I want to give you my old job," which is a great promotion. He's like, "But what if things are different?" It's like, "Yeah, dude, it's a promotion though." <laughs> I don't like what and then you see on the flip side where she thought 
that the change would be better. It would like make her life better. And it didn't really like she, she ends up learning that she liked where she was living. She liked being at in the town that she grew up in. Uh, so I, I did like kind of that they were showing the different perspectives that like change isn't always bad, uh, but also change isn't always good. It's, you know, don't change things just to change things basically. Yeah. And then they say at the end of the movie, when Marilee is deciding if she should change to go back to Jamestown and uh, replace the retired. Uh, I, I guess there is a little bit of a parallel. There's some aspects of this that are written kind of well, where uh, the chief has retired and um, Zachary is going to fill in his position. And this other vet who is in the town retired. So Marilee is going to take over that vet's position in the town and become the new vet there. So I guess there is a parallel to what they're going through. Um, so some of that I thought was done pretty well. Um, but I'm still kind of upset about the premise of the whole thing. I don't think it was necessarily uh, needed um, because it seems like it's uh, been a long time. I think it's been five years since the, uh, since they both climbed up on top of that fire. Truck. Yeah. It's been it, a long time for them. <laughs> well, it, it was, yeah, I was doing that math here. I was like, oh, oh. yeah, they, he, she hadn't been home in five years. So like they, they, it had been a while. And I was, I don't know. Were you also confused by the presence of the chief's daughter who sometimes seemed like she was supposed to be kind of a love interest for Brandon Routh's character. And then but then sometimes didn't like there's a whole part where like Marilee comes into the Christmas party and she's all dressed to the nines and the, the chief's daughter's like, Oh, okay. I'll okay. let you, I'll let you go. And I was like, is it, is she, is she jealous? What's happening with this? Is she so, jealous? <laughs> so I read that as everybody is pulling for these two. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> like I read that as her supporting the fact that like merely showed up. I, I think she was sort of cheering for Zachary. I, the only reason that I, <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> totally know why the daughter is there. I guess the daughter is needed to come up with the, uh, going away truck gift because that's the only reason she really plays any big part is that she's like, Oh, I know what to get my dad for his, uh, retirement party. He's got this truck he's been trying to fix up. And I couldn't do it all by myself. So I need the whole fire station to help me. That's the only real reason I could see why she factored in. Yeah. She could have not been there. She could have not been there entirely. I mean, I didn't mind her presence. And like, I, I was also kind of like hoping she wasn't supposed to be some sort of like spoiler love interest because I was like, how many do we need? Uh, but I, I definitely initially thought when we're, you know, we see Marilee in Miami and she's got her new guy and then we oh. cut over to Brandon Routh and there's like this pretty girl working at the fire station with him. I was like, oh, and so he has a new relationship. And they were like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but there were moments where I was like, wait a minute, was that flirting? But it's probably just like a natural reaction to being in a scene with Brandon Routh. <laughs> Prob probably. I, I guess in some ways, maybe they were trying to play it as like her father she's really close to her father at the station and so when her father leaves she'll have somebody 
she can be like he would be a uh, Brandon Rouse character. Zachary would be like another father figure to her. Yeah, they're like they're more yeah. like family because yeah. because he's so close with her her dad. I think, right. but yeah. but yeah, I was initially thrown off, and I was like, oh my god, we're gonna have to get rid of two love interests. <laughs> well, and we did have to get rid of one because Miles, even though he didn't want to come to the Christmas stuff with the family, he shows up to a party he was not invited to. Not invited at all, Miles. <laughs> And so he shows up unexpectedly um, and then they officially have their breakup. But then it sort of plays out like the ending of the nine lives of Christmas, where this time he sees her with some guy and he gets upset about it. Um, I am curious because uh, after that plays out and there's a misunderstanding about the love triangle, the cats seem to play a role (laughs) In reconnecting Zachary and Marilee. What what did yeah. you think about because because we we did talk about how the nine lives of Christmas book is narrated by Ambrose. It cat. is. Ambrose is a, a kind of a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think about the cats being a little more proactive in this one? I think this one didn't have enough Ambrose. I think <laughs> I was on his side that the kittens were like stealing his light, stealing his thunder. Uh, <laughs> I feel like behind the scenes, he was a real diva about it. But uh, <laughs> no, I thought it was actually, I, I found that part really funny, uh, especially when Duchess is like digging in her purse. Now, if that was like a real cat, she'd be like, Duchess, what are you doing? And then Duchess would like come up with something that she'd like put in her like a piece of food she had put in her purse. And she'd be like, no, Duchess, don't eat the bacon wrapped shrimp. <laughs> and then she'd be like fighting with Duchess to get the shrimp out of her mouth. That's like what that seems more realistic. Cat is real, really <laughs> yeah. like. But instead, Duchess picked up a heavy cell phone and threw it at her. <laughs> I think makes Duchess truly an amazing cat. Exactly. Queen behavior. <laughs> Duchess girl. <laughs> it amazing. Was, it was definitely some somebody uh, uh from the side like throwing the phone <laughs> it was it was and it was so obvious that it was that too <laughs> that it made me laugh so hard i had to like rewind that part and like watch it more than Wait, once but you know what i totally bought into it i was like it was yeah, so good just threw the phone duchess knows duchess <laughs> listens and duchess knows okay duchess is more of a listener queenie was more everything was about queenie right everything was about queenie but duchess she listened she's like i know what you need right at this moment merrily and then she throws the phone like right in her face uh the other thing i thought was really funny was ambrose answering the phone with his little paw yes which i thought was really cute but at one point uh zachary tries to steal the phone back and ambrose like swats at him (laughs) and and he goes did you just like bat at me like very offended and i had to say i had those conversations with my cat and i use that exact same tone of voice <laughs> sir like when i'm trying to kind of like sometimes i'll try to move beaker out of a spot on the couch so i can sit down and he'll start to like he'll start to swat at me and i go sir did you just <laughs> no you didn't no you did <laughs> So that felt very true to cat ownership as well. <laughs> I, I haven't owned a cat in many, many years. So it's been a while for me. But uh, from the stories that you have told me about the lab cats and Christmas trees, oh. I, I found it pretty <laughs> realistic that a lot of the time they would show the kittens around the Christmas trees, like in the Christmas trees, uh, causing chaos with the trees. I thought it was pretty realistic. So I thought they handled the cat aspects of this movie pretty well. I thought so too. Yeah, the cats the cats felt very realistic except again and I made this complaint in the last one. Everybody's just walking around carrying a cat like a small purse or something. <laughs> 
This isn't a chihuahua dog. <laughs> Cats don't like to be carried. And you could see that in the face of every cat <laughs> on, in this movie as they struggled to leave. So, like, they would be sitting down, like, having an emotional moment with the cat in the lap. And they would have to do this thing, this thing where you, when you want to keep a cat in one place, where you, like, yeah. hold the top of it and the, the, the side of it so that it can't go anywhere. So it's like, Ambrose, you're the only one who understands me. And Ambrose is, like, looking all around, trying, trying to get to, out. Trying, trying to find an exit. Trying to escape. And he's like, I'm glad we can have these moments, just the two of us. And Ambrose is like, hell. <laughs> All the, every time they, like, picked up a bunch of kittens and we were just, like, holding them up, I was like, how are you not cut to ribbons? <laughs> <laughs> I, I did like, uh, it, Marilee, I think, uh, in some of the scenes, she would put a kitten in her coat. And zip yes, up the <laughs> that that's that, actually pretty clever. That I loved at the end of the movie <laughs> when uh, when they decide to uh, adopt Rudolph, who was the little tuxedo boy uh, of Cute. the kittens. They she has him in the coat, and there's one and there's one scene as they're going to kiss where you can see between them how <laughs> in how distressed and uh, annoyed this cat is, this kitten is <laughs> that this is happening to him. Like as they're coming together, the cat's like, "No, <laughs> please not again." <laughs> and it's so good. Just like I could just watch this movie sound off, just the facial expressions of the cats as they're like, "I don't want to act." <laughs> <laughs> but if you didn't want a cat to go somewhere while you're in a that's, just zip him up. Zip, zip him up in the he's too small. He's too yeah, small to fight. He can't go anywhere. <laughs> and he's warm. He'll, and he's he'll, so warm. He'll warm. Cats do love being warm. So you're yeah. probably like, you know, this is a mixed bag. I'll, for me. I'll, I'll stay here. I feel I'll like stay this here, is but marginally okay. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's warm. <laughs> I now I want in the third movie, in in the 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 trilogy that yes. I'm manifesting into the universe. <laughs> uh, I want to know how Ambrose and Duchess get along with each other. I need to know about the interpersonal relationships of these cats as they like all have to move into the same place. Well, now they have a, are they raising Rudolph? Exactly. Exactly. But like Ambrose and Queenie, what they had was special, (laughs) but like is Ambrose, are Ambrose and Duchess going to like each other? What if the whole third movie was like the, the romance was just between the cats? And yes. uh, like the the humans have like their own storyline, but really like the the romance story of the movie is between Ambrose and Duchess, where they're it's like a it's like an enemies to lovers, <laughs> and, and they, then they're like, they, this they, is our son <laughs> Rudolph. They form a little family. That'd exactly. be so cute. I love it. But yeah, I think that would be a, a great uh, third movie because it really should be a, a one a, a one last movie. We got we got to we film. gotta we gotta get the trilogy going. Oh man, yeah. So uh, lots of cats in this one. Did have nine kittens. Um, I I guess I did. Um, I did have thoughts about, but I guess I guess we kind of touched on this. Like, I was also trying to think about why the need to have, like, the advent calendar and the storyline about the mom, because they t- talked about the mom a lot. But I guess the reason for that is, A, with an advent calendar, you can show the passage of time within the story, and you can sort of count down until Christmas. Uh, then I guess you can uh, focus on Marilee's connection to her family and... Uh, wanting to move back home. And then they tease that uh, wreath is the uh, the last thing that they take out of the advent calendar. And they talk about how 
a wreath is like a representation of the the full circle of love and uh, at the end when Zachary proposes the wreath is uh, something that he puts around Rudolph's uh, neck as his little collar. So uh, some of that I thought they underlined a little too much, like the bonded pair thing. I could have gotten there without them like telling me what it was and the re thing. They didn't have to tell me. Oh, remember when we talked about the bonded pair thing early the on bonded, in the movie? The bonded We're talking pair about thing. That I know the bonded pair thing made me laugh because I was like, first off, my boys were a bonded pair, and yes. and in in the early in the movie when they're like, how are we gonna get? Uh, all these kittens adopted and they were like, okay, do you want one cat? And they were like, I want two. And I was like, that's correct. You want two cats. Yes. You always want two cats. <laughs> they play with each other. They're less hassle. But um, are but, they? Well, not <laughs> mine. But in theory. In the, in the science. The science. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was like the bonded pair thing was really cute until they kept on being like, like the cat. <laughs> and I was like, no, we get it. You are also a bonded pair. Like, you don't have to keep saying it like that. I feel like if they had said the bonded pair thing once and then come back to it at the end, and at the end they were like, just like the kitties, like it would have been cute. But instead they kept on being like bonded pair. It's science. And then looking at each other like a really long time. And I was like, I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> they did. I, I could have gotten to all those things without them telling me. That would that would be my one gripe with the well, not one of my gripes. I have <laughs> gripe with a lot of the storytelling choices here but uh the underlying of things I, I thought was a little unnecessary um but yeah so um i guess morgan were there any other thoughts that you had about the nine kittens of christmas i had a lot of thoughts about <laughs> about the kittens themselves yes okay let's go yes. um so he finds this box full of nine kittens it ties into the the title yeah he's like cool there's nine kittens and then the whole story of the movie really is like these nine kittens need to get adopted um but they seem to adopt somewhere around 25 kittens out and i because <laughs> i it, early in the movie it's a um, lot to keep up with early in the movie i started to to keep account of how many, kittens, <laughs> how many kittens they had adopted out. And uh, so, like, they adopt the two to his boss, which yeah, makes the sense. Ch the chief takes two. Chief is a big cat uh, guy, got big cat guy energy. And he he's he's a, he's a bonded pair like the cats because he and his wife are together. He, exactly. Oh, metaphors. Yes. Uh, <laughs> he's, they're so excited to, to get their two cats. Okay, so they got two cats off the table. Then they go to, like, an event with firefighters. Or they go yes. to some they go to some other event and then they adopt out like four there's a, a a line that they should have removed where somebody comes out and is like, We adopt we did pretty good. We adopted four of them. And I was like, Okay, so you're down so six. Like six. Yeah. So now you got three left. Yeah. Uh, but then they go to the bookstore and, and they and they and they and the convince the lady at the cafe to take one. They convince the lady at the cafe to take one, and then he says that he had made a joke to some lady about the cats being better than therapy, and so she was going to take one. So, so that's, that's two more. So, so they should only have three. yeah. They should only have at this point in the movie. <laughs> they should only have one kitten left to adopt out. I was doing this kitten math like fast and furious <laughs> in my head, and I was like, okay, well that's not that many cats to adopt out. But at this point in the movie, they're like, we have three cats left. What are we going to do? And I was like, certain. No, you don't. No. 
you don't have three cats left. Did did one of these adoption situations Make, fall, fall work through? It, yeah. And we just, they, sh- they just didn't tell us. Why wouldn't you tell us that? Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then they they find the lady at the uh, the choir uh, practice and she's like, I'll take all three cats. I love cats and I love uh, accepting them from strangers. I bumped into <laughs> on the street. <laughs> Me too, lady. Me too. So uh, but then they have to but then she has to foster some cats so she can't take the kids. She can't take them. Okay, lots of stuff going on with her. Uh, <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, the they give two of the cats th- that they shouldn't have left um, <laughs> to um, to Marilee's niece. Yes. Which I was like, honestly, I was waiting that whole movie. And I was like, if that, gr- if that little girl doesn't get at least one kitten, that's it. That's it. I'm flipping. I'm flipping tables. Yeah, <laughs> I'm starting. I'm starting riots in the street. Like that little doing, girl. She was deserved. doing so well. She she took so care well. of the kittens. She loved them. She, she was, made sure they got their vitamins. She was giving that little guy his vitamins. What vitamins? I don't know. <laughs> don't worry about it. They're kittens. Uh, so she gets two, and then they take the tuxedo. So they take right. the last one. But I was like, this kitten math is not mathing. You know. <laughs> And that is my that is my biggest critique of this movie is that I could not follow the kitten math that they were doing. I was like, no, 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 no. What they needed to do is like between every scene where they were having kittens adopted, they needed to put up like a, a funny scorecard of like how many kittens <laughs> were left and how many kittens had been adopted, and so we could like keep track properly. That would actually have been a great editing. Uh, style. yeah, like, like transitions between yeah. scenes could have just been like the kitten count. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's thank you. <laughs> it, that would that would have really helped because I actually, helped me. I couldn't keep track. <laughs> I actually did have trouble keeping up with. I just kind of at, at some point I I I quit counting. I was just like that was uh, whatever that was, they, whatever they say. I'll just go with that was the right decision to do. Like they didn't expect anybody watching this movie to be keeping like a detailed count of how many kittens they had paying, and didn't have. Dialogue, paying attention. I, there was at one point where where they give the, like the little girl two of the kittens, and I was like, oh, I was pretty sure that was one of the book that was the bookshop kitten. But all right, let's just <laughs> roll with it. <laughs> But uh, I thought, yeah, no, I thought that was really funny. I was like, they clearly at one point were like, you know what? Nine's a lot, but we've been giving out a lot of kittens in this story. (laughs) Ah, whatever. No one's paying attention. And they're right. No one should be paying attention. (laughs) But I was. (laughs) It's just, we're just supposed to care about the number of kittens because it's the amount of time that Marilee and Zachary spend time together. Exactly. they have to team up to, to get these kittens adopted. So if it takes three extra kittens that they didn't start with to make that happen, Morgan, they're going <laughs> to do it. And that's going to be okay. <laughs> but I, I, I agree with you. It does sound like, uh, according to the dialogue, uh, that they, they had already kind of done the job before they uh, gave out some kittens. So, yes, I agree. Uh, okay, well, I guess to wrap things up, because uh, I guess we kind of talked about all of my 
uh, big feelings that I had about <laughs> this. Um, I like that your feelings were about like the metaphors and the plot and the structure of the movie. And my big feelings were like, there's just not enough cats. <laughs> the cat math, the kitten math is wrong. <laughs> that is valid. Thank I you. think that is a great thing to bring to the table. I guess my my last question for you, because uh, I was trying to think about this for myself. What did you think about this as a sequel? How, how, for you, how is that follow-up? Do you feel like we've, because I kind of felt like the first movie told the story of Zachary and Marilee, but now we have a completed, or so we think, a story of Zachary and Marilee. How do you think that it wrapped up their story? Yeah, I think, I think it wrapped up their story pretty nicely. I would, I would come back for a third, uh, provided they don't break them up again. Uh <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, I, I liked, and I liked the little callbacks to the first movie. So he sees her, you know, breaking up for the second time with her boyfriend. Like, no, no, for real. It's for real this time. <laughs> Honestly, it was for real the last time, but I'm glad you you're here. You not have come here. You were not so, invited. To this so party. nice to see you again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and he thinks that they're back together and he gets all sad. Just like she saw him talking to some random stranger at a party and was like, he's in love <laughs> and, and left for some reason. And then uh, I felt like the, um, the sort of the circle analogy when he has the, like the little collar ha- with the sort of the holly looking mistletoe reminded me of the mistletoe and the oh, first yes. one. So I was like, okay, I like the little callbacks to the first movie. They even had uh, when they uh, run into each other at the grocery store, she is buying large amounts of that Mrs. Claus ice cream. Yes, and she kicks it away. <laughs> yeah. That made me laugh that was really good. hard. That yeah, was good. That was I really great. I appreciated that. Although I didn't, I don't think I needed the lampshade of him being like, look it, we're back in the grocery Remember store. how we first remember met? Remember <laughs> the grocery store? It's like, yeah, dude, she remembers. We all remember. I mean, I understand that this movie was a long time ago. And honestly, if I had watched it, like, you know, <laughs> seven, five years seven, ago. seven years between, I wouldn't remember that they met at a grocery store. But it was a little bit on the nose. It was a little bit, like, too much. Who was like, remember? Remember? <laughs> yeah, I guess I got it, dude. I also thought that the... um the charm bracelets from her mom's uh, little like advent calendar. I really thought that those charms were going to end up on a bracelet on somebody's wrist at some point. Ooh, that they, just been never, nice. they just never did. And I was just like, okay. Well, maybe that's for their n- new tradition. Maybe next year they'll put the different, there you go. different charms and different dates. Ooh, that's fun. Yeah. Those are like Pandora charms. That'd be a very expensive nice. advent calendar, right? My mom has some of those Pandora charms. They're, they're not cheap either. They're not cheap. Imagine buying like 25 of them. <laughs> <laughs> mom is rich. Well, it sounded like their parents died quite a long time ago. Because remember, their parents died in a car accident. Which oh, is a very right. stereotypical, like... Sad, sad sob story. Um, but uh, she... It sounded like they died quite a long time ago. So maybe the charms were, uh, did I freeze up again? Uh, <sighs> yes, unfortunately. Oh, my gosh. I don't know why this keeps happening. I don't know. It's so I'm, strange. I'm, it hasn't, it, this wasn't a problem for most of the time we've been doing live streaming. And then suddenly it's, a, it, it happens like every time now. Either, either my, uh, cause I've tried everything. I've looked at my memory, uh, 
and I, my memory should be fine. Uh, I tried a different browser. I've tried to clear caches and make sure I have a lot of space on my computer. So I, I give up. So I guess I will come back in. Sounds good. So I will, uh, pull up some uh, comments in the chat. I see uh, Kenneth says, Brandon Ralph, no matter what movie he is in, still has the Superman face. It is true. I think that helps him in in this uh, movie. And they also make a big deal of being, of saying that he is a superhero. And they do like a, she goes, I'm sure you've heard that before though. And they like basically both turn to the camera and wink. It's pretty funny. I was like, okay, all right. I see what you did there. You got your super. Superman joke in good good job uh but yeah no this is this one was fun there were kittens they shouldn't have broken them up um yeah <laughs> just sort of here on my own now <laughs> um yeah let let us know if you have any questions or snap judgments you can go ahead and put that in the chat <laughs> Uh, I was just saying that they made a, a Superman, a pretty obvious Superman superhero joke in the movie that we forgot to mention. <laughs> yes, uh, Marilee calls Zachary a superhero, which is obviously an Easter egg nod to Brandon Rouse's time as Superman and Ray Palmer. So, because uh, at this point, he would have been on Legends of Tomorrow as well. That's right. Uh, yeah. Oh, RIP Legends. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so they did uh, They did a Superman reference, I think, as well in the Nine Lives of Christmas. So I think they did, yeah. They had a lot of fun with some of that. Um, okay, so uh, I guess overall thoughts. Did you enjoy the, the Brandon Routh cat, uh, a cinematic cat universe? I did. I really did. It, listen, you know what you're getting when you're watching this movie. It's it's not going to change uh, anybody's life, but you know, lots of cats. You know, we see a lot of these dog movies. And, and listen, <laughs> yeah. I, I love a good dog movie, me uh, as much as anybody. But wait, like, where are the cat movies? Right? Like, this is a movie that just loves cats. Like, cats are everywhere. They're they're very important. Everyone in this town loves cats, uh, <laughs> so I want to move there. Uh, <laughs> you can just find a cat in a cafe at your local firehouse. Cats are just everywhere, and I I like the vibe of this movie. <laughs> I wish they hadn't broken them up for no apparent reason. Um, that didn't make a lot of sense for me. I wish they hadn't. You know, I wish they hadn't killed Queenie. Nor never forget that <laughs> it felt unnecessary. But <laughs> But otherwise, I really enjoyed this one. I gotta say, if they make, you know, if they make more more of these movies, I'll be back. <laughs> they are enjoyable. If you're just wanting something uh, cute to watch, they are uh, fun to uh, fun to just sit around and watch a bunch of cats and watch some people fall in love. Uh, they're pretty good movies. The only thing that I would have wanted more out of, especially with the Nine Kittens of Christmas, is uh an investigation into who dropped those cats off. Yes. Where did those kittens come from? Yeah. They never really followed up on that. <laughs> I mean, I guess ultimately it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's, it's a Christmas miracle to bring Zachary and Marilee <laughs> back together. Uh, but I did, I did think that was a little weird that they didn't be that, that they weren't like, Hey, who, who dumped these uh, cats off? 
but I guess you didn't need it. So these are uh, cute little movies if you're just uh, wanting something uh, almost like comfort food uh, for your mo- movie viewing experience. Um, they are comfort movies to check out. Well, uh, I guess, Morgan, would you like to do some uh, nine kittens of Christmas related snap judgments? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. Okay, so first snap judgment, bookstore cat or cafe cat? I would rather a cat be in the bookstore just because with the the cafe i mean there, it's like food, food and beverages there's, there's food there i feel like there's that's unsanitary there. it's definitely not sanitary <laughs> yeah. i thought i thought that as well i listen i desperately want to go to a cat cafe it's like my <laughs> only wish there used to be a cat cafe in asbury park new jersey called catsbury park or something <gasps> no. like that and one time we almost went in and we didn't for some reason. And then the next time it was closed <gasps> and I was like, I missed my cat cafe window oh. and it, 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 it's okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm still not over it. So I desperately want to go to a cat cafe. That said, it's not great. It's not super sanitary. <laughs> now with a cat cafe, are you bringing your cat into it or is it just no, there's a cat there? There's just like a bunch of cats there usually. They're, okay. They're, I think that the trend probably started in like Japan, which makes sense to me. Uh, <laughs> they just love cats there uh, where they would like there'd just be a bunch of cats and they would just be like the cats that hung out at that cafe. Um, in some of the cat cafes here, I think they're like a lot of them are like adoptable. So they're like rescue cats. So oh, like, that's a good you idea. You go to the cafe and you meet a cat and the cat meets you and you spark with each other and <laughs> <laughs> you can adopt it. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, but I think a lot of the cat cafes that I've seen have like the little hanging out with the cat section and then like the little food and drink section. They're kind of cordoned off. Yes. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I, th- I think it, I would rather it be. If I were, I wouldn't go into a, a bookstore that had a cat. I would die. But, <laughs> but if I had to, I think I'd probably prefer a library uh, cat situation. Because those always yeah. seem pretty cozy. Like if a cat's just chilling cozy. with the, bo- the books. Yeah, that seems nice. Yeah, I would do I would do a bookstore cat too because I just think that would be really fun. Like you're sitting there, the cat's sitting next to you. Everything's great. <laughs> 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 All right. Which cat did you like better? Queenie or Duchess? <gasps> Gasp! A shot straight to the heart. <laughs> I know we talked a lot about Queenie. This is going to be probably May a she controversial, controversial take. I'm going to say Duchess. I thought <gasps> Duchess had yeah. a lot of personality. Uh, she threw a phone at Marilee. <laughs> she was very active. She chased around that little thing that they brought her. Um, I think Duchess was a was a good success for, co- successor to uh to queenie's position if we couldn't have queenie i think duchess really rose to the occasion now queenie may she rest in peace (laughs) beautiful beautiful diva okay this is taking nothing away from queenie she's a gorgeous star (laughs) but but yeah i mean duchess did like throw a phone at somebody and so i gotta go duchess as well like this is surprising for me as well but like duchess duchess was sort of like in the background like lurking around like listening (laughs) she understood exactly what marilyn needed in that moment she was like get it girl (laughs) that's a real friend (laughs) 
All right. Would you rather live in Miami or Jamestown, which is the town where Zachary and Marilee live? I would live in Jamestown. Or Oregon's pretty uh, far to the West Coast, uh, but Jamestown <laughs> seems like a quaint uh, little town that I think I could live into. Miami's too big. I yeah, mean, Miami is pretty big. My, Miami's, there's too much happening. I think I like the smaller town USA feel to Jamestown. This one is, this one's tough for me because on one hand, it's a lot warmer in Miami than True. it is. And it is in Oregon. But on the <laughs> other hand, all that humidity. Uh, all that humidity seems terrible. You would be closer to Disney World, I guess. I'd be so close to Disney World. <laughs> I'm sorry, Zach yeah, and Marilee. You could go to the beach? Yeah, I think I'm probably going to go. No, but then I'm in Florida. I don't know. Uh, Florida is a nice to visit, want to leave kind of state for me. Uh, no you offense have to deal to with people. hurricanes. Yeah, no offense to people who live in Florida. Again, the humidity is just not for me. So I guess I'd also go in Jamestown, but I would go visit Miami. That would be like yes. my vacation. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I would live in uh, even even though it's cold, uh, I would probably live in Jamestown. You could just would... uh, curl up with a fire and a cat. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Who was the bigger hero in this movie? Duchess for making Marilee call Zachary or Ambrose for making Zachary answer the phone? This is tough. This is a tough one. Because Duchess did do something superhuman. <laughs> throwing a, throwing a, like a like a heavy iPhone. <laughs> At her owner. But Amber, if Ambrose had not accepted that call, that would have been it. Marilee could have kept calling him and kept calling him and kept calling him, but Ambrose forced Zachary to listen to that message, which was so important. So I'm going to say Ambrose. I'm going to say Ambrose too. I think what Queenie, what, uh, I'm sorry. Oh my God. No, Queenie, no. I'm so sorry. Du what Duchess did was incredible without opposable thumbs, girl. <laughs> Your star. But Ambrose, I like that Ambrose, I feel like Ambrose had a less willing participant. <laughs> Ambrose had to work harder. Like Ambrose was like, you should answer the call. And Zachary was like, no. And Ambrose was like, you should answer the call. And <laughs> Zachary was like, no. And then Ambrose had to work at figuring out where, how exactly to place his little paw so that he would hit the accept button. And he, he didn't get it on the first try. Right. And he defended the phone. He defended, he had, to, he batted away at his owner. So I feel like he had to work a little harder to make that love connection happen. And his paw would have to hit it the right amount. Exactly. Like it, That's those, not those easy are made, Those are made, made for human like Those are uh, made fingers. for our fingers. <laughs> not, not for cat paws. That's much more difficult. You have to get the right sensitivity to the, the touch there. So yeah, Ambrose had to work pretty hard for that. So uh, I'm going to give it up to Ambrose on that one. Well, I guess that's going to take us out of snap judgments for the nine kittens of a Christmas. No judgments on your snap judgments. And uh, eventually this year, I think we should make it a goal that we get new DCTV podcast plugs. Oh, uh, yeah, we need them <laughs> <laughs> because we're severely out of date. But until then, uh, we are going to get to some Supergirl Radio and some DCTV podcast plugs uh, from Joe. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook. 
Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Podchaser, and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. If you like what we do, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our Supergirl Radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live and wired. DC TV Podcast also has a Tee Public store, so if you're in need of new DC TV related t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, onesies, mugs, notebooks, pillows, or stickers, go to supergirlradio.com and click on the Tee Public store link at the top of the page. Now see here, Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network, so if you want to listen to other shows, we've got The Flash Podcast, Legends of Tomorrow Podcast, The Lituation Room, DC on HBO Max Podcast, Stargirl Podcast, Superman and Lois Radio, Green Lantern Podcast, The Sandman Podcast, DC TV After Dark, and Justice League Dark Podcast. Since we talked about cats in this episode, we have some cat grant designs in the DC TV podcast T Public Store we would like to suggest. Yeah, we got some cat grant merch if you need t-shirts or more really for this season that we are in. Sweatshirts and hoodies are probably your better (laughs) uh, merchandise option to stay warm. Uh, But we have uh, t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, all kinds of fun things in the DCTV Podcast T Public Store. So if you need some new merch as we head into fan convention season, which for for me starts next month in February. Um, So if you need some new stuff to show uh, that you want to represent Supergirl or Cat Grant specifically, you can find that in the DCTV Podcast T public store and we would like to thank our legion of uh, super sponsors for supporting the uh, supergirl radio patreon these people are uh, michael amory yvonne nicola abby Miriam, nicole brian ethan danny majuba zachary annie and rachel and if you'd like to become a legion of super sponsor like them you can go to patreon.com slash supergirl radio we appreciate everyone's support And I guess if you want to keep up with me, there are several ways you can do that. I am on Instagram at the Derby Kid, where I post the occasional picture and share the uh, usual uh, funny cat video where you see a cat climb into a bowl um, that (laughs) the cat shouldn't climb into. I share silly silly (laughs) things like that. Uh, And I'm also on the social media platform Vero at Derby Kid. Um, so I'm having a lot of fun over on Vero. I also have a YouTube channel that you can find at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod, which I hope to get back to getting new content up for uh, this year. Uh, I was recently a guest on Dave the Film Junkies Vodka Stream to talk about the DCU Supergirl screen test. So if you want to go check that out, uh, subscribe to Dave's uh, YouTube channel. And I also recently recorded some more episodes with Mark and Nate over at DC Cinematic Minutes to talk about minutes 171 through 175 of Zack Snyder's Justice League. And I think those are coming out maybe next week. So uh, good discussions there. So I think uh, uh, people will enjoy them if you want to check them out. Uh, Give them a subscribe and a listen to DC Cinematic Minute. Awesome. Sounds great. Uh, You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ojotastic. You can also (laughs) find me as a co-host on the Legendary Ladies podcast, where I believe this week we are going to be talking about the miniseries Fellow Travelers. Mm. I'm going to be honest. 
don't know anything about it. I know it's got John. Uh, I know it's got Matt Bomer in it, though. And oh. so I am very excited to watch it. Uh, <laughs> he was in. Uh, what was the the show that we were uh, that we watched for the Patreon? Doom Patrol. Doom He's Patrol. He's a negative man. He was in Doom Patrol, but like then he, uh, spoiler alert, you can't see his face anymore. <laughs> and I was like, that's, that will never do for me. <laughs> I, I cannot deal with that. Uh, but I, uh, presumably his face is going to be all over this, this show. So that's a plus. <laughs> So if you have been uh, checking out the show or if you're interested, uh, you should stop by the Legendary Ladies Podcast. You can find us online, thelegendaryladiespodcast.com. We're also on uh, YouTube at The Legendary Ladies and Instagram at The Legendary Ladies and uh, and Twitter uh, at Legends underscore podcast. Yeah, follow them on all the stuff because uh, the legendary ladies uh, do a great job. So I think people should subscribe. All right. Well, I think that is going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And we're relieved that all nine to 25 kittens <laughs> got, got adopted. <laughs> <laughs> McGurk! I Do love not typing. Not my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you <laughs> like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther Boardroom or Ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this show. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther? It's not just Lena being mean? No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio.